0: Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, thank you. Uh, once again, it's always a privilege to preach God's word. It's, it's just fun to sit there and study it uh, in a different capacity for hours and just uh, soak it in to enjoy it. And I truly do uh, relish those moments that I get to do that. So um, with that, you guys return to the 66th book in your Bible, Revelation. We're going to be in chapter two this morning. So if you turn with me or on your phones, an app, we're going to be in the ESV version this morning. And uh, Revelation may spark something for a lot of you. We're, we're going to be in the different genre of Revelation this morning. It's, it's the letters, it's a little bit tamer. So uh, do not worry. Bill and Haley are your average couple. They've been married for one year, and Bill is madly in love with his wife, Haley. Bill will leave work early to go buy flowers to race home and to have the flowers set on the table ready for his wife when she gets home from work. He will call up her favorite restaurant and reserve, uh, have reservations ready in a couple weeks in advance at her favorite place. He will listen intently as she comes home and she tells him stories. He'll ask questions, and he will be passionate about his wife, Haley. Fast forward 10 years down the road. They now have a few children. Bill is still working hard. He provides for his family. He's kind to his kids and wife, and he's there for them. But no longer does Bill race home with the flowers. No longer does Bill call up reservations at her favorite restaurant. And no longer does Bill sit there and ask good, insightful questions to his wife as she talks to him. And Haley begins to think, does Bill, does my husband, does my spouse still love me anymore? His love for me seems to be fading. I want us to see this morning that as Jesus writes to this church at Ephesus, He is asking them the same question. Is your love for me fading? Because I can see it in your works. I know you,
1: I see you, and I see the love is fading. Because
0: like them and like us, it is easy to be complacent in a good church. I would say it's easy to be complacent, especially in a good church. When you see around you good teaching and understanding and love for one another and genuine friendships and welcoming and happy, joyful people, we can settle in nice and comfortably. It's easy to do that in a good church. And this is what the Ephesians did. And no doubt many churches ever since have done this. So let's see this morning Jesus' stark warning to the Ephesians, but gentle reminder to us. Let's see also, let's see his commendations to this church. I don't want us to miss that. This isn't just a letter to them about one thing. Jesus tells John he spends a lot of time commending them for their good works. Let's see that. And let us be encouraged by that this morning. So I'm going to read verses 1 through 7, Revelation 2, and then we're going to pray. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, I know your works
1: you had at first. Remember,
0: therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent, and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove
1: your lampstand from its place, unless you repent.
0: Yet this you have, you hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant the eat of the tree of life,
1: which is in the paradise of God. Pray with me.
0: Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this letter. I pray that it is a reminder to us to spur us on to good works, to spur us on to love you, to love each other, and to let love be first and foremost among us. I pray that you would open up the hearts, uh, open up our eyes and our ears, and let us see and perceive and hear and understand what the Spirit has for us this morning. By the power of your Spirit, through your Spirit, I pray that these things would happen. In Jesus'
1: name, amen. Well, John is
0: on Patmos, which he's been exiled to, and he's sitting there and. He is in the spirit on the Lord's day, and all of a sudden, Jesus comes up behind him and he looks at him. And Jesus says to him, Write what you see to seven different churches. We're going to focus on the Ephesians this morning, but John's going to write to seven different churches. Now, each of these letters is very specific to their context. Uh, they specify what's going on in their church some good, some bad. Some of the churches get no commendations. Um, So let's see that in its context this morning. But know that seven is a biblical number, symbolic number for completion. So this is also the last book of the Bible. These letters are written to the church, to the church at large. though churches individually, to the church at large. So let's remember that and let's know that, that God has given us this word. This morning. They are short, they are to the point. Jesus is is not wasting words when he sends this letter to Ephesus. So read again with me, verse one, and we'll we'll see the intro here. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write: The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. The stars here just above, John tells us what they are. The stars are the angels of the churches. Jesus is holding them in his hand. Jesus has the authority in our churches. He is the one that we all submit under. He is the one we submit to. In every church, there is no independent church from its head, Jesus Christ. He doesn't send a church off and say, you can go, you're free from me. But he is near, and as we just read, he walks among us. He walks among us. He is present with us. This breaks pride and produces humility. The church is never completely independent from its head. His walking among us should produce a reverent fear, but also
1: encouragement. Encouragement. Imagine with me
0: that the President of the United States were to announce that he were gonna come visit us next Sunday. Now, putting politics aside, however you feel about certain presidents, past, present, whatever, the point is the person in authority would still demand a respect from us, and we would give it. You would naturally be a little bit more deliberate in your actions. You might set the chairs a little bit more straight, having the tables set up nice and neat. And there would, there would be a little bit uh, different of an attitude among everyone, if you would be honest with yourself. We'd make sure that the chair that, that folds when someone sits on it is not the president's chair. And there's several of those in this room probably right now. We would make sure that we are very deliberate in our actions. If a person in great authority were to come and walk among us. well, Jesus just told us, and as we know, he walks among us every Sunday, one with far greater authority. The King of Kings is with us in spirit, walking among the churches each and every Sunday. So let us be deliberate in our actions and in our words, in our conduct, knowing that he is walking among us. That's the reverent fear and encouragement that he is present with us reverent fear, and encouragement.
1: Let's, let's get into the text a little bit more, and
0: we're going to see two points this morning. The first one is that Jesus commends our work and our love for his word. And the second is that Jesus warns us of a
1: complacent love. So The first one, Jesus commends our work and our love for his
0: word. He knows our works He says, "I know your works. Even if no one else sees your works and what you're doing, I see them. I know them. I have an intimate knowledge of your works. Think right now of all the things that you do, all the work that you do that goes basically unseen. You go to your job and you spend a long hours at your job working with precision and excellence. And then you come home and you continue to work. Or you help with the kids. You wash dishes and the work continues to go and go and go. And no one really sees all of that. But Christ sees it. He knows it. He knows your work, your toil, your labor. How about praying for those that you love? Early in the morning, praying. Late at night, praying. Whenever you can get a chance, you pray. Unceasing prayer. You aren't seeing this but Christ sees it. How about moms at home? Pretty much everything you do is unseen, right? From the beginning of the day, the middle, the end, raising your kids up in the obedience of the Lord. It it is unseen, and yet it's not. Christ knows it. He, He knows it intimately, and he loves it. Or reading your Bible, trying to meditate and understand the Word of God, which is a great thing to do, but most of the time unseen. Do it in the morning, at lunchtime, taking a break and you read your Bible. He's not, people are not seeing this, but Christ is saying, I know it and I see it. How about being hospitable? Being hospitable and welcoming people into your home. Well, the time that it takes to get your home in order, to prep the food, the extra cost that it takes to go buy it and to prepare the meal that is all largely unseen but that is the work and the toil and the labor that Jesus says i know your works
1: and i see them and i commend them he
0: also loves when we defend the truth the ephesians clearly did not let anybody get in the way or sway them from the truth this was something That they did very well. Keeping a healthy doctrine, a healthy understanding, a sound doctrine is vital to a healthy church. This is why Paul urges Timothy and Titus to keep a healthy doctrine, a sound doctrine. Keep a close eye on your doctrine because he knows that it is is that that is going to keep us from being swayed by the doctrine of the world. The devil is prowling and he's looking for someone to devour. He's looking to sway someone from the truth. And he does it every day. He's doing it constantly. Know the word. Be hungry for the word. Desire it. As we just saw the pillar and buttress of truth two weeks ago. That's what the church is. Hunger and desire for it. And we're all going to be at different levels. We're going to be at different levels here. But the goal is to desire it and to progress and to, to have more understanding of the Word of God. But he also loves our endurance through difficulty. Read with me verses 3, and then we're going to jump down and grab verse 6, because Jesus did the very nice sandwich approach. If many of you know, when you're, you're trying to give someone a critique, you, you sandwich it with commendations. But these are very Genuine commendations. So, verse 3 I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. Verse 6 Yet this you have you hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. The Ephesians will not stand for evil, they will not let it happen, they will not let it come into their church. They are Holding the line against evil, and they are being tested over and over again. This is not easy. Some of you might be in that situation right now. Some of you might face that situation coming soon of ridicule and slander, and hatred. Jesus said, "If the world hated me, it's going to hate you. If they hate the words that I said, they're going to hate the words that you say." What he's saying. Be patient. Endure. Hold the line of truth. And you will be tested in this. This will not be easy, but do not stand for evil. Stand for truth and what is right. Continue to endure. Continue to endure. I see it, I know it, and I'm telling you
1: continue. And I'll have you know that this church
0: did continue. This church did not grow weary of doing good. We know that from church history that a church father called St. Ignatius wrote this group, their children's children's children, a letter and commended them for the exact same thing. Keep holding the line. Keep holding the truth and spreading the truth. They were commended well for it and they kept it on And this church saw generations of it. Their church
1: was a good church. But it can be easy to grow complacent in a good church. So Jesus warns. Point number two. Jesus warns. He warns us of a complacent love. Complacent love. Verse four. says, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. He warns of a complacent love, the love
0: that you had at first. Now, I'll have you know, this love that you had at first is not explained in this text. We don't know exactly what it was. Different commentators say different things. Some, the love for Christ himself. Some say the love for the Christian community. Some say the love for gospel witness. But I don't think those three things need to be disconnected in any way. If our passion and love for Christ is there, we're going to love his glory and his fame among our city. We're also going to love those whom he died for. So we're going we're gonna to narrow in on the passion for, for Jesus
1: and his glory in this love. But the love that they had at first. When they were first converted,
0: or when the first the church first started. Since then, the Ephesians had settled for a cold orthodoxy, an inward protection, something that is is good, right? We already saw that he commended it, but you cannot stay there. It wasn't a passionate flame. It wasn't the lights on the lampstand standing out, the city on a hill. It wasn't doing that anymore. The lampstand was dwindling. The flame was dwindling, and the passion for Christ and his glory were fading. You see, John is very intentional about lampstand imagery. He the lampstand. You guys uh, know what a menorah is? You know, the seven candles, the six branches, one in the middle? That's the lampstand. That's what he's talking about. The original purpose of this lampstand was introduced in Exodus in the tabernacle. And the purpose of the lampstand, you can imagine this big tent, there's no light. The purpose of the lampstand was to be the light in there, and it stood right next to the showbread. The lamp lit the way for the bread, just as the church is to light the way for the bread of life. We are to glorify and to shine light on that. And Aaron's job and his son's job were to make sure that that light never faded, that that light never went out. They had to keep the oil stocked so that light morning and evening, God gave them instructions to never let it go out. This was their job forever, generation after generation. We also should take the same job as Aaron and his sons is to keep the oil there so that the light won't fade, the passion won't go out. They had, the Ephesians had forgotten their purpose, the reason for existence as a church. And they settled, they settled for a good thing, but it was a lesser thing. It was a lesser love. And I would ask, are are we doing the same? Are you doing the same? Are you settling for a lesser love? Do you desire to know the Bible over the person that it points to? It's good that we know the Bible, we saw that, we love it, and it deepens our love for Christ, but we don't stop with the knowledge of the Bible. We want to get to the knowledge of the person behind the Bible, the one that it
1: points to. We love being in a community
0: over the love of Christ and the members of that community. We love being in community, but we don't want to stop there. We want to spur one another on to good works and to love for Christ and his glory. That's where we want to go. They loved good doctrine. That's amazing. Don't stop there. We don't stop there. We make sure the love for God's people and the love for Christ himself is still at the center of what we do. So how do we do we do this? How do we keep love for Christ and his glory at the center? How do we keep the oil stocked so that the flame won't dwindle? Well, Jesus, as we just read, Jesus actually gives us some answers. He gives us a response to this. So read with me,
1: verse five. We're just we're just gonna keep walking through this. They abandon the first love, verse five. He says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. So he tells
0: them to. Remember, remember that love you had at first, that passion you had at first. Bring afresh the memory of that time that you had, that your love was on fire for me and for my people and for my glory. This is like any relationship of dating and marriage and children and remembering that time, right? Bill and Haley at the beginning he remembered that beginning and he went back to those works that he did for his wife he could rekindle that flame that love that he had for her at first well as i was as i was studying for this and prepping for this i have not had a single passage of scripture affect me more than when i was studying this one and convict me more than this one in such a good way so when i first became a follower of Christ, I was extremely zealous and passionate for him and for his glory. I, Kaylee knows this, I was ready to take us to Bolivia, anywhere, anywhere that would have me. I was seri- I, emailing, I, w- I was legitimately ready to go. She kind of reeled me back in, um, which is a good thing. But I was passionate, ready To go. I I didn't know the word very well at all. So it would have been, it was, I don't know how it would have turned out. But I was ready to go wherever and tell people of the glory of Jesus. I really was. Then I settled in. I went to seminary and I started to learn more. And I used what I learned and I was at work and I saw my work as this mission field. I would I talked to, I had a lot of discussions with unbelievers. I had people who were seeking. And I had a lot of young believers who just didn't really care much for the Bible or care much for church. And it was a two or three year stint that is, it was such an amazing time. And I just remember how much I enjoyed it. And I prayed for opportunities and God answered those opportunities. And I got to sit with and talk to a lot of people and encourage a lot of people to love the word of god and to pursue jesus and it was it was a sweet couple years it really was but i admittedly stand here today saying that the love that i had at the beginning has be- begun to fade in that same way i have i have matured in many ways but that kind of love those kind of works have begun to fade a little bit. Other things have have crept in and, and taken the place. That's why I say this affected me so much because I can relate completely to this. I love doctrine. I love theology. But the passion for the
1: fame of Jesus Christ I saw it start to dwindle. So he says, remember
0: and repent. Turn. Turn from that. If that's what's happening, turn from it. Rethink it. And go back. Go back to the works that you did at first. Jesus is very straightforward in this. Remember,
1: turn from it. Go back to those works. Do it again.
0: And for you, did, did you meditate on the word more? Was there a point in time earlier where you meditated on the word more and you were hungry for it? You thought over what you read. Were you fervent in prayer praying for those who are lost to come to know Christ praying for those who are hurting spending time in that prayer being fervent in it seeing it as an urgent matter Were you infatuated with the
1: person of Jesus Christ Slow down
0: Re- read the gospels see his miracles be once again infatuated with the person Of Jesus and behold him for who he is. Did you did you listen or read everything you get a hold of? Did you listen to every one of John Piper's sermons? I don't know if that was just me. But (laughs) yes.
1: This just passion to just soak it all up, saying, go back, go back to that. And if, like me,
0: You've, you've let familiarity creep in a little bit and dwindle that, that love that you had at first and that passion. Practice those things again. Practice those things again. Now, when, when he says, I remove your lampstand from its place, this is not to bring fear to us. This is to revive our passion. But I say, let us heed this warning. Let us heed Jesus' warning to this church in Ephesus. Let's examine our hearts and let's see where we're at. If we want to be the next 100-year church, it's that first love. It's that passion for Christ and his glory that's going to be at the center, that needs to be at the center. And, and now, and let's not wait, because passion slowly dwindles away. It's not like these guys woke up and all of a sudden it was gone. right? It, it day by day, slowly started to fade as they replaced it with a good, but lesser
1: love. So remember
0: the love and passion you had at first. But remember this. Remember the love that Christ has for you. Remember the love that Christ has for you. Because Jesus' love for us is the foundation for our first love. So end here with me in verse 7. He who has an ear Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. The one who conquers is the one who remains, the one who abides in the vine. Know the famous passage in John 15 with the vine and the branches. In those few verses that Jesus is talking, he uses the word a Greek word meno many times which is abide it is abide in me abide in me remain in me abide in me that same root word is the one we read in verse 3 that he says endure remain we remain we abide in the vine that's the one who conquers is the one who abides in the vine the call for us is not to chase a feeling of love that will wax and wane as we, as we continue on through life. But it's to rest in the perfect love of our Savior, to abide in that love and to remain in that love. Because Jesus is the one who conquered death. For us to be conquerors, we, we cling to Him. We cling to Him. And by union with Him, His death is our death, and His life is our life.
1: Our hope to eat of the tree of life rests in the one who died on a tree and rose again. That's our hope. Our love for him,
0: our passion for him, it will never be enough to save. But his love and his passion for you is already enough to save. It's already enough for you to pursue and pray for a passionate love for your Savior. This is a good thing, and what he's calling us to. But know that as you strive to do so, his love for you demonstrated on the cross is what keeps you, is what protects you, is what sustains you, and doesn't let anything separate you from him. That's the love of the Savior that we have. That in the garden, when the tree of life was cut off, from our first parents ever since it has been cut off until Jesus came and hung on a tree and he opened up the way to the tree of life again and we cling to him and as we just sang in that song well our real hope and peace is that he clings to us that he holds to us because we we can never keep our hold but we rest and trust in the one who has a firm grip and who will never let go that's the kind of savior Worth pursuing, isn't it?
1: Worth being passionate about, worth returning
0: to. Christ continues to walk among the churches today. He continues to walk among our church today. This is not limited to the first century, it is not limited to this church of Ephesus. He walks among the golden lampstand. He he comes to encourage, he comes to warn. He comes to exhort.
1: And if you can say that your first
0: love has faded, your passion for witness or your love for those whom Christ has died and purchased by his blood, I say, take the words of Jesus. Remember what it was like. Remember those works that you did at first and return to those, and let it rekindle and renew that passion of the first love again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we read your words this morning, we heard your words this morning, and we say, would you please help us in this pursuit? would you work in our hearts as we endeavor to return to the first love or that we continue in our first love wherever we're at you know our hearts lord i pray that you encourage us uh, that you exhort us in this and that by the power of your spirit that you that you help us in this but remind us of the foundation the foundation is the love that you have for us the perfect love that casts out fear The love that we already have and do not need to earn, nor can we earn, but to rest and to abide and to endure in your love that you have for us. That's what we cling to, knowing that you cling to us. And in that we we are conquerors, and we will eat of the tree of life in the paradise of God. You have written that story. But as, as we're here now, help us to to stand firm in the truth, and to propagate the, the truth of the gospel and bring light into the middle of darkness. I pray these things in Jesus' name.